Heist Church doing well? Am I doing good? Hey, we're starting a brand new series today. Uh, we just came out of five weeks uh, in Songfest where we had a ton of fun. Can we just give it up for the team and all of the hard work, the creative team and experience team, our worship team for those uh, five weeks. We're starting a brand new series. You can see behind me the 10 commandments. I mean, they did a great job on that graphic. We try to go a little old school, like flannel graph, you know, back in the day, Sunday school. How many of you grew up in Sunday school? How many of you found Jesus after Sunday school? You are way better than all of us. I mean, I just remember, just remember, I remember the, the, uh, the cookies. Remember the cookies that you put on your fingers? Anybody have those, my Baptist church? And some orange drink that never had enough sugar. It was like they just, it's like almost water, a little gritty. I'd put five of those ring cookies on my hand and then drink kind of just orange half sugar water. A little, little tang pastretti. I don't know if it was tang or if it was just bad Kool-Aid, but... We're going old school with some, some 10 commandments. We're gonna take the next five weeks, and I get that there's 10, I, I'm from Alabama, we don't, I get it, you gotta divide by two, we're gonna do two per week. Uh, some of these, like this week, are, are really gonna flow together, uh, and some of them are almost gonna be uh, just a hard stop, and we're gonna teach through the 10 commandments. But I call the, those weeks, you're getting a two for one special. You're getting two sermons in one, so you're getting a two for one even before you go to lunch. I wanna start in the New Testament, 1 John, Talk about the, the commandments of God, put a, a framework, if you will, before we jump into Exodus chapter 20. First John chapter two says this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how uh, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What, what that saying is, is that we're not talking about, and we're gonna get into that in just a moment, we're not talking about a works-based uh, faith. We're not talking about keeping the commandments to get to heaven. We're talking about getting Jesus on the inside of us and then living differently because of it. The Ten Commandments are the beginning of God's law, but I need you to know today that God's law and man's law are, are different. Uh, I had the team do some, some research over the past few weeks, and there's some really weird state laws still in existence. I wanna read you five laws today that are still laws in some states, and I want you to know that, that God's laws are not the same as man's laws. In Arkansas, you must, it's a state law that you must pronounce the state name correctly. <laughs> and I think that's because they're pretty much dead last on most education lists. It's just a bare minimum to be able to read your own state. I'm sorry if you're from Arkansas and here, I'm from Alabama, I think we're like one spot ahead of you. We're just, we're pretty much Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas. Just thank God for those two so we're not the dumbest people in America. <laughs> California, get this, it's illegal to build, maintain, or use a nuclear weapon within Chico, California city limits. <laughs> it's a good law. Uh, I don't know why it's just there. It probably should be a law across the state, but in those city limits, you cannot use a nuclear weapon. Colorado, this is, a, this is a real law. Colorado, you're allowed to own a catapult, but you're not allowed to use it. Just got a catapult in the backyard, just in case medieval war breaks out. You know, just in case some knights come through the moat and we have a duel. Connecticut, a pickle cannot be sold unless it can bounce. I don't even know what that means. 
Maybe somebody from Connecticut can tell me after. In Georgia, my favorite one this week, in Georgia, you can't eat fried chicken with utensils. That means finger licking good is not just a suggestion, but it's mandatory. It's mandatory. God's laws are not the same as man's laws. Man's laws oftentimes are very restrictive. I need you to know as we talk about the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments were the introduction, the covenant relationship into the, the Levitical law, God's uh, uh, words to his chosen people, that God's laws, write this down if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, get something out to take notes with, because we're gonna learn a lot over the next five weeks. God's laws are not restrictive, but protective. God's laws are not restrictive. See, the enemy would say God's trying to restrict you, and I wanna submit to you throughout this series that God's laws, God's commandments, they're not restrictive, rather they're protective. John 14, 15, put that up on the screen for us, team. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I remember growing up in a church, keep that up for me, I remember growing up in a church, uh, in a great church, but it was very restrictive. It was very, uh, uh, these are my younger years, very uh, what you can't do, what we're uh, uh, against. And, and I used to read this verse. I used, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Like I'm very much a, a disciplinary father, a disciplinary. I'm like, if you, you, you better show me you love me, son, by doing everything that I, I say to do. But if you read that in context in John 14, 15, that's not the, the tone at all. It's, there's a pause there because God is basically saying, like, if you're in relationship with me, if you love me, if you understand who I am and the character of God, then, it's, then you will keep my commandments. So it's not, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's, hey, if you love me, you're gonna, you're gonna keep my commandments. Like, you're gonna, you're gonna get this. Because love for God will always come before and produce true obedience. These 10 commandments, they're, they're, not, they're not restrictive, but they're, they're protective. Love for God will always come before true obedience. Here, I wanna read this to you, I found this this week. The law, and that is the 10 commandments. When I say the law, this is the introductory to the Levitical law that God gave his chosen people coming out of Egypt, starting with the 10 commandments. The law was never given as a way of salvation for either Jews or Gentiles, that, that's you and me, Gentiles, because by the works of the law shall nobody be justified. Catch this, salvation is not a reward for good works, but the gift of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The law reveals God's righteousness and demands righteousness from us. But it can't give righteousness, only Jesus Christ can do that. What, it, what I mean is you cannot memorize these 10 commandments, do all of them, and, and, and think that you are going to be uh, uh, any more qualified to be in relationship with God. That only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Here's what I wanna get to. The law, what we're talking about, the, the 10 commandments, God's standard, the law is a mirror that reveals where you and I are dirty. It shows us where we fall short but you never wash your face in a mirror. The law reveals it, but you don't use the mirror to clean yourself. The only thing that can clean you is the power of God through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so the law shows us, the whole Old Testament shows us that we cannot come into right standing with God. Now it shows us where we fall short, like in a mirror, the blemish, the spot, the, the thing in your teeth. You got something in your teeth today, church, but you can't use the mirror to get it out. Come on, come on. It's not 
either or, it's both. Jesus came to fulfill the law. We need the law to show us where we fall short, but we need Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to actually live any differently. I would have clapped there, I get it. No, 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 Thank you, Sanford. No, 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 no pities. No pities at Action Church. If you're new here, we don't do pity. We don't do pity, but that was, that was really, really good. I actually had it in my notes. It's like, we're gonna share a moment together and they're gonna be excited. It is, it's, it's early, it's, it's the early service. The 10 Commandments, let's, let's jump in. 10 Commandments, uh, a literal translation would be just 10 words from the Lord. These are 10 uh, words, uh, they are commandments, but they're 10 things for the people of God. The 10 Commandments don't take our freedom, they actually provide it. The 10 Commandments were given to us to initiate the people of God, the Jewish people, into covenant community with God. They needed it. And God's law, God's standard, God's commandments are for you. They needed it because the people of God, we're in Exodus 20. If you remember, just in Exodus 12, 13, and 14, they are being led out of slavery in Egypt. So God's people had been in slavery for, for up to 430 years. So they had not been on their own. They had not fed themselves. They had not clothed themselves. They had not thought for themselves. They were not a nation. They were merely slaves in Egypt. And so as he starts this 10 commandments through Moses on Mount Sinai, and as he starts to give Moses this Levitical law, we read it and we think, that's so weird. Like why is God giving them all these do's and don'ts? It's because they didn't know any better. Think about raising kids. When they're young, you set a lot of rules. You say, hey, you don't know how to live, so you're gonna do this, and you're gonna eat this, and you're gonna wear this, and you're not gonna do this. That's basically what God is doing. God the Father looking to his chosen people is saying, hey, you've just come out of generations of slavery. Your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-grandparents were slaves. You have no idea who I am or who you are or who you're supposed to be. So here are some commandments. Here are some, some laws. He's, he's, not, he's just teaching them who they can be. These 10 commandments, the first four, the first four are God-centered or God-centric talking about their relationship. He's setting up the covenant relationship with, with him and his people. This is how you should live with me. And the last six are people-centric. I wrote this down. The only way to live differently with the last six or towards people is to get the first four. So these next two weeks are really important. If we wanna change how we see people and how we view people and how we treat people, we've gotta get these first four. We've gotta have a proper view of God before we have a correct view and posture towards people. The Ten Commandments were so important that Moses gets them in Exodus 20 and then right before the people go into the Promised Land, Deuteronomy, he reteaches them. Like Joseph, I mean, uh, uh, Moses did the same series more than once. He's like, hey, you missed it. And I think sometimes in, as church people, we're like, hey, I've heard this sermon before. Yeah, you heard it, but you didn't get it yet. You know what I mean? Got quiet right there. I, I wrote here, they're not gonna clap there. They're not gonna like that one. I thought we were gonna build some momentum early, and then I was gonna. Ten Commandments. Start, let's start reading Exodus 20, verses one through six today. It says, then God gave the people all these instructions. He says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, uh, the place of your slavery. I think it's important that God's reminding them of who he is and what he does. Because we forget. And I love that he starts with, I am the Lord your God. He always starts with his character and who he is before what 
he has done for you because we need to understand we worship God for who he is, not what he can do. It says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you. Verse three, you must not have any other God but me. No other God but me. We live in a world today where we like to create a lot of other gods in our life. But me is, 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 is basically saying, if you have any other God but me, you are in opposition to God. And other gods, I believe, is one of the greatest temptations for us as people. That's why God started with it. You should have no other God but me because he knew we'd be inclined to worship something else. What was put inside of you, God created you to worship him, to know God and to make him known. All people, not just Christians, all people, everybody that's ever took oxygen, sucked oxygen off of this earth was created to worship. That's what you were created to do. Now, we don't all find God and worship God, but we all worship something. It's why we love music. It's why music is, is so catchy. You, you remember lyrics, you remember the tune, it takes you back because in your innermost being, you were created to worship. It's why the first time you hear a song, what happens at a concert, hands are up in the air and nobody's worshiping God, but they're worshiping something because there's a freedom. We were created to worship. It's one of our greatest temptations and because God sometimes can be ambiguous and not, not concrete and not right in front of us, we have a temptation to, to worship other things. We have a temptation to find our own way. I wanna talk about other gods for a moment and then we'll get into number two, talking about the little gods of, of idols. Most people settle for religion because it makes them feel better about themselves. Think of any of the world religions. That is religion, by the way. And if you're new to this Christianity thing, Christianity gets thrown into the religion category, but it's not a religion. It's a relationship. Like every other religion is what you and I can do to get to whatever the, the prime being, the superior being, the, the deity would be in that religion. Like what, what can we do to earn heaven? And that's not the gospel, it's what Jesus had already done. It's a relationship, but, but Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam, all, all with central figures, all kind of taken uh, with, a, with a central uh, 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 primary God or a multi, uh, multitude of gods, but it's all what as we as people can do to make them happy or to please them or to, to make sure we, we measure up to a certain religious standard, that's what world religions do, and that's not what the gospel is at all. Amen. Worshiping other gods. In America, there's a, a new age theology or a universalism that it just doesn't matter what you believe. You just believe what you believe with all of your heart, and you're good. That feels good. But when you say that out loud, that sounds real dumb. <laughs> just do whatever you want. Make sure you feel good about it. Own your truth, and you're gonna be great. It sounds good, feels good to you, but when's the last time like you created something? Because it sounds like you think you're God. That's what that is. 
When you're in charge of everything, you have taken God off the throne and you've put yourself on the throne. What I think, how I feel, how I see it is now true. It's common today out of love, we say there's multiple ways to get to heaven. You just follow your path. You pick the path for you. John 14 says, this is Jesus talking. He says, I am the only way to God. And the real truth, there's no such thing as your truth. It's like, that's an oxymoron. Because if your truth is different than my truth, then which one is truth? And the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You will have no other gods but me. Jesus Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. There is no other way. And that sounds harsh, but I need to remind you today that the gospel of Jesus Christ is completely exclusive with how you and I get to heaven. That's right. There is no other way. It is completely exclusive. I am not a way. I am not an idea. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like, there is no other way. I don't care if you keep all 10 of these commandments. If you do not accept Jesus, you will not spend eternity with him. It is completely exclusive with how. But I need to tell you today, the good news of the gospel is it is radically inclusive with who? That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. I wrote this down this week. It doesn't matter, get this, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. That's religion, that's other gods. But it does matter what you believe about who he is and what he's done. That is the difference. It, is, it sounds exclusive, but it's actually the most inclusive club that you could be in because you don't have to measure up. You don't have to memorize anything. You don't have to get it all right. You just have to acknowledge that I am lost, I am sinful, and I'm in need of a savior, and then put God on the throne of your life. I thought this would be more of a teaching series, and now I'm yelling at everybody. I'm gonna lose my voice. Let's go back to Exodus 20. Take a breath. Wow. Take a week off, get a excited. <laughs> no other gods. Then he starts to break this down because this is, this is what you and I do. It's, it could be a, a world religion, but a lot of times it's, it's idols in our life, and we're gonna dive in today that, that you and I, we, we still have idols in our life. It says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth. You must not bow to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God and will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. That makes sense. You know, when he created us, it makes sense why he'd be a little jealous. Like, we are his. Like, you know, you ever had like a prized possession? You're like, you, you know, this is mine. He's basically saying, hey, you're mine. Don't cheat on me. Like, I made you worship me. Says, I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. 
Entire families affected, even children, the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations of those who love me and obey my commands. What, what he means is what we're doing in our life, uh, both, both in what we're building for God and that where we're falling short, our sin, it does pass down generationally. That we're, we are living a life that will outlive us and our sins and our view of God and our life does have consequences both in our life and for generations to come. Worshiping idols is like cheating on God. And people always, always, just natural, just, just people in general, you and me, the people in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, and then we'll flip over to 32 in just a moment. We always want to add a little extra to God. Like we always want, we don't, we don't want, I don't think anybody in here today or very few of us are struggling with, with, with finding a different world religion. You're in a Christian church, but, but we, we have God here but we like to have all the other things kind of around it to make sure we're covering our, our, our basis. Exodus chapter 32, uh, I, I, wanna, I wanna give you some context. Uh, this is where the people of God made the first idol, uh, the golden calf. And I wanna give you some context to what just happened. See, Moses has just led them out of Egypt. So these people have been in slavery for 430 years. We're in Exodus 32, Exodus 14, they were led out of Egypt and they walked across the Red Sea. So these people have seen God deliver them from slavery, part the Red Sea, destroy their enemies. Just a couple chapters before this, he's raining down bread and quail. These were not people that were, were missing miracles. These were not people that were in a, in a church that wasn't seeing life change. Before we judge them too much, it would be you and me. We're in a church that is growing and reaching people and thousands of people are being saved. We're seeing miracles both physically and supernaturally on a consistent basis. And yet we get to a point where we're like, hey, where did, where did God go? Where did Moses go? That's where they found him. So Moses is now up at Mount Sinai again. He's received the, the 10 commandments in Exodus 20. Now he's going back up. What most people don't know is, is Moses actually made eight ascents to the top of Mount Sinai. Eight different times in, in the book of Exodus, he climbs up to meet with God. Moses, if, if you wanna get theological, would have been an Old Testament type of Christ because his job was to go up on top of the mountain to meet with God, to intercede for the people. He was going up to stand in the gap for the people, which is what Jesus did on the cross for you and me and what he does today, sitting at the right hand of the Father. It says he is making intercession for the saints or for the believers. So Moses really is an, an Old Testament type of Christ. So he's on his sixth ascent up to Mount Sinai. What we know about his sixth sixth, sixth Ascent, that's tough for me, that's a tongue twister. Say that six times fast. Sixth ascent is that he went up with Aaron and some of his sons, but he left them halfway up. God said, what I'm calling you to do, only you can come up. And you need to know, if we're gonna be in leadership, if we're gonna follow God, if we're gonna spiritually be spiritually mature, God is gonna ask us to climb higher, to go further, and to come into a deeper level with him. There are places that only you can go. There are places, catch this, there are places through sermons and through series and small groups that we can lead you into the presence of God, but there are sometimes the only way you're gonna get all that God has for you is you're gonna have to do that on your own. You're gonna have to go a little bit higher and a little bit further. That is the second clap that you've missed. Do not give me any pity. No, no. But here's what happened. Moses was spending time with God. Moses was following God. Moses was with God. And the people did not understand. 
So they got weary, they got distracted, they got in a hurry. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. These people are eating food falling from heaven. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. This fellow Moses, not the leader that ushered in the plagues by God and stood up for this. This is this guy who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings uh, from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears, brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be a festival for the Lord. See, Aaron is still in this game of like, no, tomorrow we're gonna redirect, but he's already built this idol. It's not that they're replacing God right here. They just, they, they need something tangible. They need something that, that makes sense. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. Uh, the Lord told Moses, quick, go down to the mountain. Your people whom you brought, whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Verse eight, get this. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. We're in Exodus 32. Ten commandments are Exodus 20. They've already made an idol. They've melted down gold and made a calf and they've bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Here's three things I wanna give you the Israelites did and then I wanna connect them to, to our life as we close today. The Israelites took gifts from God and turned them into an idol. The gold was, was a reward. See, when the people of Israel left Egypt, God made the uh, Egyptians give them resource, give them jewelry, give them things. So basically, the gold from Egypt was a gift from God. So the people of God took the very things that was given to them by God and then worshiped the gift instead of the giver. We're gonna get to that in just a moment, that we can take good things and put them out of place and they become an idol. Although this may seem removed from our current day and age, after all, we don't worship golden calves on Sundays. How often do Christians take the gift God has bestowed upon us, given us, and turn to worship those? Our systems, our ideas, our success, whatever it may be. The Israelites took gifts from God, turned them into an idol. Here's the second thing. The Israelites, they got impatient. They got impatient. We say all the time at Action Church, a lot of times the process is the point, but too often in the process we get impatient and we create our own process or our own idol or our own solution and God is saying, no, 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 no. I need you to, I need you to focus on me. When they didn't like the answer from God, they created something else. Here's the next thing, idols, idols create this false sense of security or control. Basically, when we lack faith, we create a substitute. Like they're like, where'd Moses go? And what I need you to hear today is you will always look for idols to worship if your focus is not on God. If your focus is on Action Church, if your focus is on your own doctrine or your small group, if your focus is on anything that God has given you, good things, but it's not on God, you will continue to bounce it to other things because it will never satisfy These people were following, a lot of these people were following Moses and not following God. 
We don't follow ministries, we don't follow men, we don't follow women, we don't follow ideas, we follow, we follow God, and that way he doesn't change. We don't, we don't bounce from, we don't bounce from that. The Israelites, here's the third one, the Israelites try to justify their reasons for setting up a calf. Aaron was full of excuses, and when you and I get caught worshiping idols, we get caught with our focus somewhere else, we do the same thing. We're like, ah, oh, it was, you know, I was, I was just trying to please the people. You know, we were, gonna, we were gonna have a festival for you, Lord. This was really about you. And too often, we, we make good things, we try and put them on the same level as, as God things, and, and it becomes idol. We talk about idols, we think, Pastor, this is kind of old school. This is different time, different place. I just need to remind you, it's, it's different times, but the same enemy. And our enemy has never created anything. So he, he can't start, he's not a creator, he's a, he's a counterfeit. Like he can only take what God has created, this idea of worship, and all he can do, he can't create anything to be worshiped, he can't himself be, be worshiped because he's not a, a creator of anything. All he can do is just twist it and take our attention off of it. The same idols that were in the Old Testament are still here today. And I'm running short on time, but I'm gonna give them to you because I prepared and I want to. And so, four idols that we find in this, 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 this season of the Old Testament. The first one was Moloch or, or Molech, you pronounce it either way. And the, the, the cult of Molech is said to have boiled children alive. In the bowels of a big bronze statue with the body of a man and the head of a bull. Offerings, at least according to the Hebrew Bible, were to be reaped through either fire or war. They would, they would do this before a, a war to win a battle. They would sacrifice a child for their own gain. Molech is still here, it's called abortion. My choice, my idea, my future, so I'm gonna take the life of something else so that I can further Baal represented sexual immorality. It was a, it was a, it was a god of sex. Baal was full of fertility cults in the ancient world. Sex parties were their commonplace of worship. Some of the earliest, sketch this, some of the earliest sex traffickers can be tracked back to Baal worshipers, Baal worshipers in Assyria who normalized the practice of selling young men and women as sex slaves. It's not a new thing. It's the same thing with a different label and a different name. We shouldn't be surprised by the schemes of the enemy because they're all throughout Scripture. That same idol today of pornography and prostitution, strip clubs, sexual addiction, the same thing still here. We don't call it Baal, we don't bow down to a, a calf, but the, the idols are still here and they're still being worshiped by the world. Chemosh represented the, the worship of pride or success and many Israelite kings brought in temples of Chemosh when they needed power. Solomon himself, who was, was given to build the temple of God, built a temple for Chemosh because he married the, a wrong woman. God said, don't marry these foreign, these pagan women because they're gonna bring their practices in. He built one because he was at war and he wanted an advantage. Chemosh obsessed with power and selfish ambition. Israel would always turn to Chemosh for power when they were being corrected with God. When they didn't like what God said, they just built another God. He was the God of the Moabites, 2 Kings 33. 
that king in 2 Kings 33 sacrificed his own sons to the God of Chemosh for power. Jeremiah 48 talks about how the worship of Chemosh was one of the main things that ushered the people of God into exile in Jeremiah 48. Chemosh is still being worshiped today because people still love power. And they will do anything or say anything to get it or to keep it. The last one I talk about, Jesus talks about it, is the, the idol of mammon, the love of money and worldly things. Now the Bible talks about money more than any other topic. It's almost double to triple more than any other topic. Why? Because God knows that it is something that is easily worshiped. Mammon's not a, just a biblical thing, it's a current thing. We worship greed, money, success, going to debt to, to worship things. Wrote this down, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks, he just keeps repackaging them. What I wanna get to as we close, what this proves, they worshiped a calf from their own earrings. People will worship anything because we were created to worship. We talked about Molech and Mammon and Kamash and Baal. Like, Pastor, thanks for the education, but I'm not worshiping any of those. I would submit that all of us have struggled with one of those four. I'm not a Baal worshiper. Well, I've struggled with some sexual purity. I, I, Kimosh, what are you talking about? Well, I've, I've, I've worshiped my career or success or what I've done more than God. Those are all sinful things. But I want to submit to you, the second commandment is not just talking about sinful things. There are good things in your life that if you worship them, become idols. Your kids? The idol in your life may be Billy and Sally. They live down the hall. Because all you do is everything they want you to do. Chase them around. Do everything for them. Now, I'm not advocating not being great parents. We have parenting curriculum. What I'm saying is, if your kids are the center of your life and God isn't, you've got a calf in the house. So we worship politics. We do. I need you here today. America is a great country, but it's a terrible God. And it ain't gonna be there in eternity. So I'm not saying don't fight for it, don't protect it, don't love it. I'm saying don't idolize it. Sports, I want NFL. Some of y'all just came to this service today so you can get back to get ready for the game. You were late to church at 9.15, but you will not be late to that game. You know why? Because it's more important to you. Tailgate for four hours, but I'll show up in the third song. Because it's an idol. Recognition, fame, success. Why do we read magazines and articles about other people's lives? <laughs> you're just a human who has a little more money than me I don't really know and way better looking but I don't know why I'm reading about everything that you do come on some of you know more about famous people than you do your own family it's an 
good things make great idols. Good things can, if out of place, get in the way of the God thing. See, kids and politics and family and sports, all good things, all gifts given to us from God, but they're finite, they're limited, and they're just silly things to worship. You must have no other gods before me. Point one today. Second thing, you must have no other good things above me. No gods and no good above me. I wanna change our paradigm. We think God should be first on the list. I got a priority list, like I got, my, I got God, and I got my family, and I got my calling, and then I got my hobbies, I got this list. And we think that God's supposed to be number one on that list. I think, if we're not careful, if he's on the same list as everything else, then it's easy for him to get out of order. So I don't want you to hear this sermon and put God on the list. I want you to put him on his list. Like he is one through 10. There is nothing else. Like God is here and everything else is here. It's two different post-it notes. It's completely separate. You cannot get them confused. You cannot get them out of order because he's not on a list. He is the filter. He is his own list. He is the, 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 the way in which we see everything else through. We've got to allow him to lead us. We've got to allow ourselves to focus on nothing but him if we're gonna keep his commands. If you love me, if you're in relationship with me, if you get who I am and what I can do, then, then you'll begin to keep the things that I'm telling you to do. Let's close, close week one in prayer. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes at all of our locations. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that there are Old Testament passages that the law was not replaced but fulfilled by Jesus Christ and that there is something today that, that it's exposing. When every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna give you that opportunity. That statement I read earlier is for us today. The law is a mirror. And spiritually speaking, I want you to look into the mirror right now and I want you to answer this question. Can I measure up to God's standard of righteousness? Well, look through your life. Spoiler alert, that answer is no. You and I don't measure up. But we look in that mirror, we see all the ways that we fall short. But the gospel that we talked about today is that Jesus can, can make up for every weakness, every insecurity. There's an exchange that comes in where all of our sin and shame and dirtiness is replaced by his cleanliness and his righteousness that he gives us through his sacrifice on the cross. Our job is simply to acknowledge that we're not okay, that we don't have it all together, that apart from Jesus, we cannot do anything at all. And say, God, I need your help. Romans 10 says like this, that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord. 
which is giving him control. What you're saying with that is that I, I know that I fall short and, and, I, and when I control my own life, I never measure up, so I'm giving you control, God. And if you do that, he says he will come into your life, will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we can begin to live differently because of what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. If you wanna do that today, you say, I, I want to, to put God first in my life, his own list, my priority, my center, my filter, my foundation, and I do that by accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. For some of you, it's for the first time ever. Others of you grew up in church, in Sunday school, heard the story before, read the Ten Commandments, memorized them, but if you're honest, you, you knew what God expected of you, but you never allowed him to actually change anything on the inside of you. So today is more of a day of a recommitment of your faith. So come on, if you wanna confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord for the first time, for the first time in a long time, would you slip your hand up right where you are and say, I need Jesus. I need to fall in love with him again. I got one, two, three, four, five. Yep, got you. A couple right there, proud of you. That's amazing. Couple more in the back. Sanford. Come on at South Orlando. Oviedo as well. Maybe you're worshiping online with us. Accepting Jesus, my Lord and Savior. You put your hands down. Praise your hearts. I pray out loud. Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us. I pray this week that wherever we put something above you, we'd remove it. God, even the good things, let us, let us shift some things in our life. Let us thank you for the good things in our life, but never worship them in place of you. Holy Spirit, reveal those to us and allow us to, to change some things this week so that we put God on the throne of our life and our attention and our focus on him and everything else in its correct place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all the decisions that were just made? Come on, really celebrate them. So proud of you.